For more information on this topic or on the subject of disciple making in general, look us up online at browndegreen.org or send us an email directly at podcast at browndegreen.org. Thanks for listening. You are now listening to The Great Awakening, a disciple making podcast brought to you by Brown to Green. And now for your host, Michael Ferris, Travis Evans, and Stanton Cole. Thank you for tuning in to The Great Awakening, a disciple-making podcast, and today we have Chris Moix with us. And so Chris, man, like he's the guy who, he actually discipled all three of us. He's discipled me and Travis in the same group. We were his part of his Gen 1 group here at um, Hera Church, and he uh, discipled Stan Cole back in Kansas City. So, man, thanks for joining us today, Chris. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. And it's an honor. It is an honor. And so, man, simply, like, we just kind of wanted to kind of sit down with you and, and just kind of talk to you about the process of making disciples and how that process has transformed your life. And, and so, if I remember correctly, you you were in ministry 10 years before you were sort of kind of making disciples, right? Yeah, not right. And so, man, I kind of want to like, even track back a little bit further past that. Man, what was your life like before before Jesus? Oh, man, not like everybody's life. It was a mess, you know? It was a mess. On paper, I looked pretty, pretty good. I had a degree in nuclear medicine, which was just something kind of fancy to tell women, I guess, you know, in college. <laughs> and, uh, man, um, I grew up in a home where, um, like, I started drinking at an early age. Uh, I can remember um, hauling hay with my uncle, and it was normal for us to have uh, coolers of beer in our car, you know, and uh, it was hot. And I just remember like there was nothing in the cooler but beer to drink. And so about the age of 16, I started drinking. And at first it was just for fun. Um, by the time I got to college, it became way more sociable. And by the time that I was 22, like looking back, it was fair to say that I was probably a full on alcoholic at that point. Um, you know, I had a, had a good job and, a, and I had a house and a brand new vehicle and a great lawn. But I can I can remember specifically mowing the lawn one day, um, thinking that on paper that I look I look perfect. But inside, like I was a disaster waiting to happen, right? And and I found solace in alcohol, which just made me worse. And uh, man, so that was it. Like like I was attending church every week, but I, I did not I did not know, right? I just knew something was wrong with me. And so, man, when like when did that moment happen where you like I guess when the Lord really just got a hold of you, where everything began to shift for you? Yeah, yeah. So I was believe it or not, like I was a high functioning alcoholic. And so, man, there was a week that I just kind of um, just kind of went on a binge. <laughs> I had been offered a job to go back home, and I didn't take it. And um, all the people that were in my life knew that I was a sinking ship and they had kind of like they said we're, we're heading out the door and so I found myself for that whole week just alone and uh, and uh, man a friend of mine called and said hey like I'd like for you to go talk to my pastor and so I did I really I really kind of hated the church at that point I hated the men that were in it like I, I did not think that they were like they were men that I would walk with you know and I thought on my worst day that I was better than half of them and it was true like I, I really still believe that and um, like I'm like if this is what the church was like I don't want anything to do with it and so my friend set me up um, to go talk to the pastor and I was just kind of telling him like, like I knew some of the dudes in his church and uh, I said man like like they are they are not men worthy and uh, in fact I said I said things that were much more harsh actually because I was a non-believer at the time and he said to me he said man he said do not turn your back on the Lord for what men do to you and at the time man like I was still half drunk from the night before and I was full of rage man I left there going like like I don't care about this I drove home it was October 30th 1999 I cracked a beer started started working on my house in the bedroom and like it was a miraculous moment, honestly. Um, like my roommate um, had a had a six disc carousel changer, and Metallica was jamming, <laughs> and it was just jamming loud. And I was up yeah. on a ladder, like hanging some crown molding. Man, that the disc ended and it spun. Someone, like I don't even know exactly who did this, but they had put a, like an old Tommy Wow CD in there, and there was this song. Man, it came on, and the words like I'm on my ladder, and it says I'm reaching my hand out to you, and those words pierced my soul. Come on, wow, that's awesome. 
man, I hit my knees. And then the next thing I know, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Somebody's at my door. Like I cleaned up as best as I knew how because I'd been crying and repenting and changing my mind. I remember walking out the door and, and I remember a butterfly flew in front of me and it was like I could see in color for the first time. It was a significant day. Man, man, as you were speaking, I was in this word this morning. It's in Luke 5. And I was instantly reminded when you said like you hit your knees. And so, man, this is a story when um when Jesus is teaching and he and he comes up to Simon and, says, and he starts teaching his boats like, hey, pit out the sea after he's done teaching and says, cast your net here. And he's like, like um, teacher, we've been we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. But Peter goes ahead and he throws his net out. And this is a story when when he pulls it up, like it's completely filled with fish. Mm-hmm. But it says, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah. And he says, for he and all who were him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. That's pretty much it. Man, that's Come super on. cool. <laughs> yeah. So you, you fell to your knees, mm-hmm. yeah. repented. Yeah. And so what began to happen? After- yeah. So like, what's crazy is I told the Lord, I was like, man, like I, I, I had no language for this. Like I wasn't brought up like in the world where we actually like, like it was, it was honest to read the word, but it wasn't really part of the, it really wasn't part of our lifestyle. And so I had no language for whatever was happening to me. Um, all, all I knew is that I could see in color and there was not a longer a weight on my shoulders and that man like like things were just different and so i figured that the best thing i needed to do is i needed to go down to the to the local christian bookstore and figure out like i need a bible and i need um i need help and uh i came across this book that said um it said uh, a man after god's own heart and i'm like that's me like that's me it was yellow and blue and i grabbed it and i brought it home and i opened up the first page and it said um a woman's bible study and i'm like how can this be how can this be it says it's a man after god's own heart you know <laughs> and uh, man, I just I just devoured that book. The same friend who hooked me up with that pastor to go talk to um, called me up and said, hey, I think you need community as well. So she hooked me up with a men's um, Bible study that was on a Tuesday night. I drove there. Man, didn't know any of them. Didn't know what I was doing there. But I knew like the Lord was ordaining my steps, just like in the book of Acts. You know, Come like on, he man. brought me to Straight Street and there were some men in there. And I could tell I could tell immediately that they had they had had the same kind of thing that I had had. Can just remember the Lord, like I could hear his voice really clear then too. And he was like, because those men were talking, he said, you're home. And I just, like I blurted it out. I said, man, I said, the Lord just told me that I'm home. And these men that I didn't know, like they, they, um, they were, I say they were men, we were all young twenties and they put their, they set me down on the couch and they put their hands on me, man. And they just began to pray. And I'm like, like I had never, ever been a part of anything like that before in my life. And uh, like, they were all on the same journey that I was on. And we just, like, we just took off together, you know? Awesome. So I mean, like you say, you take off. So you, like you end up finding yourself, you end up believing your job, right? Doing radiology, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, yeah. And so you end up doing full-on ministry. You're like, man, I'm leaving this life. Like, I'm, And it's, again, it's like we're, we're Peter and this. I was like, man, I'm, they left everything. And they followed him. So you begin to follow Jesus down this path. So tell us a little bit about this. How long did you do ministry for? Like, I mean, how long have you been doing ministry? You're still doing ministry, so. Uh, yeah, well, I think at some level I started ministry that day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I started ministry that day and, and, uh, like it was just natural for me wherever these, all these guys were going, you know, were, were attending the worship service. Like I'm just going to go where they're going. The, the honest truth was that, man, I was actually, actually attending two services. I was going to the church that I was brought into at nine and then I would cruise over to their church at 1030, man. But there was just life. There was just life in that second church, man. It was just like, it was just like the Lord was just doing something significant there. And I can remember on a Sunday night walking in, they had this thing on Sunday night called summit celebration where they would bring the entire church together. And the, the 
the place was just electric, you know, and I walked to that door and I said, man, like, like I believe with everything in me that we were going to change the world. I said, if all of these people believe the way that I believe, like we are going to change the world. And about eight months later, that church split down the middle. Wow. Uh, and that was a funny thing too, because I, I grew up in a place that that was not part of the story. And when the people came over to tell me that this was fixing to happen, I asked them how I could sign up to serve at it. <laughs> you know? So, um, but it, it, it started a journey, you know, like the Lord doesn't waste anything. Um, like I'm reminded in this moment, like, like there, there was, like the Lord says, he's like, I, I want all of you to be one as I and the father are one. And so, it, so a, a split like that is like, like it destroys, it destroys things of the kingdom. And yet still, we know that Jesus is still light to darkness. Right. And even in that he's working. Right. So good. <laughs> good. So you're, yeah. so there in this church split, like you, you roll off. Yeah. Right. And you decide to go with them. Is that when you're planted your first church? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So man, so the, the crazy thing is, is there was like that split was nasty, right? And it was between the finance board and the quote unquote pastors, you know, whatever that means these days, like all, all that language is a mess. Um, but yeah, so I roll with the pastors and in 2002, I'm part of my first church plant, right? Um, man, like, like, here's the thing. Like, I don't know for sure that Jesus fully blesses disunity, yeah. right? Because both of those bodies suffered. Yeah. Yeah. They, that's fair. They suffered, man. Like they suffered for the next seven years of our life from 2002 to 2009. Like those, like the body that I was at, man, like we just kind of plugged along and it was one setback after another. We were not making disciples. We didn't even know how. We really wasn't even on our radar, you know? Right. But man, as we began to gain just a little bit of momentum and, and like the Lord began to stir me up and I went to the leadership of the church and said, hey, I, I think the Lord's calling me to plant a church, right? To plant a church out of this church that we had. <laughs> so so like at that time, you're still in Arkansas. I'm still Is in it? Arkansas, working a full-time yeah. job. I'm on call every other weekend. You know, I got four kids at the house. Right <laughs> you right know? Um, but my heartbeat was for Jesus, you know? It's exactly right. And so, in, and so they're like, go with it. Like we had a little church of a hundred people, maybe actually 90. <laughs> right. And so I went down the road about 20 minutes and we launched a campus out of that first campus on 10, 10, 10. It launched with like 375 people. Wow. <laughs> so we went from 80 people in this one place to 375 in the next. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And still we did, weren't not making disciples. All right. And here's where things began to shift just a little bit, because at this point I had, a, I had agreed to go with my friend to Kansas City a year later. Right. And I knew this. And so this church launches in October of 2010. We got all these people showing up. People are getting baptized. Right. And I knew in my soul, I knew like we have no idea what to do with them. Come on. Like we don't know what to do with them. We have we have no idea what to do with these men. And here's here's the beauty of it, because I knew that I needed to start raising support to go to Kansas City in that following in January of 2011. And I knew that I was not on staff of the church. Like in my mind, I said, not my problem. Wow. Right. Like that's how I justified it. I'm like, I don't know what to do with them. They don't know what to do with them. Nobody knows what to do with these people. Not my problem. Yeah. And so the story progresses. Yeah. January comes around. They release me from, from that church. You know, it's rocking and rolling. I begin to raise support. Me and my family, we moved to Kansas City. All right. And we get to, we, we, we get there in 2011 and we spend a year on the ground, like doing all kinds of community events and working our rear ends off. And that, that church would launch in January of 2012. All right. Same stories as the one in 2010. It launched with about 350 people. All right. People are coming. They're serving. There's a lot of hoorah, hoorah. Like it's, it's a good time. And in the same story, like no one really knew what to do with the people. No one knew what to do. But, but this time it was my problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And by the summertime, we became like every other church that I've ever been a part of. Constantly looking for volunteers. Right. Having conversations on, on Monday of people who couldn't get along on Sunday. Um, like I remember calling my friend one day going, hey, like, 
like, I, I need you to do this. And his response to me was, he goes, why don't you call me sometime when you don't need something? Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah, yeah. And it, and, and, I, and I'm like, at this point, I had left my career. I had left my family. I was living on, on less than half of what I had made before. Like, we, we're in this. Like, the sacrifice was huge, right? We said goodbye to my wife's family. We said goodbye to my family. Our kids had to say goodbye to their friends. Like, I was crying and weeping, and I'm giving away all kinds. Like, I'm buying me a dog, and Abby's getting money, and all these things, you know, to make them make it easy. And this time I didn't get to say, this is not my problem. Yeah. Right? This time it's my problem. And, and, and in my mind, like we have people showing up that, that are socially awkward. You know, we have people showing up who, who are, who are not like you, you would look at them and you're going, where, where do I put this guy? Like where, yeah. where does he fit in the kingdom of heaven? Which let you know that, that maybe I wasn't pursuing the kingdom of heaven. Oh, come on. Come yeah. on. And all these things are beginning to crash around me, right? They're, they're crashing. And by the fall, by the fall of that year, I am regretting leaving my career and I'm actually having a crisis of I'm having a crisis of belief I'm having a crisis of ministry what what people may not know is at this point um, if they're listening is that I actually put a suit and tie on and I went to the local hospital because I wanted to go back to my regular job I just I just I didn't want any part of this we had launched small groups and man like we had 25 small groups launching in our first year and everyone who's listening to this who's a church leader would go oh my goodness you got 300 and some people showing up on on the weekend you got 25 small groups showing up like you guys are killing it like denominations are putting their names on our back we're speaking at conferences we're doing all of these things and I'm telling you behind the scenes I'm like this is not it like the gates yeah. of hell will prevail against this and they are yeah. and I, I could not reconcile this on the whiteboard of those 25 people I would not have sent my kids to 20 of them and and I could not could not figure this out and then one day man I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm in charge of small groups and I bring them to my house and, and I'm asking them how, there's, how they're going and there's no transformation there's like what had happened to me is not happening in anyone and this, this one person stands up and says hey like we, we realize that we we don't do well when we use the Bible, so we quit using it and we get along great now. And at that point, I'm like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I'm out. Like I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that what we're doing is not kingdom of heaven stuff, right? It's not. And and through that, um, like simultaneously, like as I'm I'm wrestling this out, like I'm I'm looking all over the place for for help. And we come in we come in contact with this group called the Gathering Network. Like we show up to one of their things where they're trying to train us, you know. And and everything that they're saying is the exact opposite from what I know. Like it's just the exact opposite from what I understand and I'm having a hard time comprehending it but I know in my soul that it's right. Like it's kingdom of heaven stuff but it doesn't align with anything that I'm doing. Like I'm putting in 60 hours a week but it doesn't align with anything that's happening with me and so I don't know how to process it and me and my friend like we're sitting there and we just decide like, like we, we walk out on them. Like that's arrogance. Like our arrogance and like because everybody was telling us how great we were we walk like we, we literally take their paperwork, throw it in the trash and walk out the door. Wow. This is who you're listening to on the podcast right like i'm ashamed of it like i'm just ashamed of it yeah but like like all in all accounts like by the by the way we measured like the the western church right like like you guys were you guys were hitting it on every stone yeah right it's exactly right except for like like jesus does like the way jesus right come on travis 10 campuses in 10 years and we were on track to make it happen right and and after the story of the small group of the girl telling me that they don't use the bible right like i tucked my tail between my legs and i and i went back to the gather network and i expected them i expected them to treat me like I would have treated them, right? And I, I walked in the door.
door and man like they just they loved me well Come on. and i and I, I told them in that moment i said i do not know what you have but i have been following christ for 11 years and i do not have this Come on, man. and i'll never forget i'll never forget this guy he looked me he looked at me and he said you have got to learn how to abide and i'm like like you know how that works the first time you hear that like like all we've taught and taught our entire life is quiet time quiet time quiet time and you're going i have no idea what you're talking about yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. that's abiding yeah it's yeah. <laughs> mean, like really we had one of our viewers it was a buddy of kyle fitzpatrick's he's like man like you guys are using this language that I have no clue what it is and yeah. so simply like what is the word abide like what do you mean when you say he told you to start to abide yeah so he was talking about john 15 you know which is like paramount to us jesus says if you remain with me if you abide you will bear fruit all right and and the truth of it is is like when they told me that it's like i don't like i don't know what this means i've been following christ since 1999 it's 2012 like i i i've been having quiet times like i'm but i knew like he was different than me right and so here here we roll in a world where we work 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 and I, i'll tell you how it played out for me is that when i when i read those words if you remain with me you will bear fruit like they just like they lit up on the screen and so i'm like i'm gonna figure this out yeah so for the month of december which in our world was like a massive working like find your identity and how much you can get done for christmas and how many people can show up i chose to get in the tub come on (laughs) (laughs) tell us what your abide time looks like like just a high level i know michael mentioned it but like and also did this guy when he told you like you need to abide did he give you an example or did he tell you what he does to abide no he gave me no example whatsoever he just told me to figure it out yeah, yeah he out. pretty much pulled a Jesus on you. Go learn what this means. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, because I desire mercy. Come back, bro. <laughs> but we, but I knew that it was paramount. You know, like that's what I knew. Like the Lord had pressed it in me that it was paramount. And so, man, for the month of December of 2012, every day I filled the tub full because I'm a, I'm a doer. I'm a worker, and I've like I can't sit still. And I thought, well, like if I'm going to learn, like abide must mean to sit still, even though it doesn't mean that at all. But but I chose for the month of December to pour bath every day and to sit in the words of Jesus. And and what I learned was, was two things. I had a massive identity problem with work and that when Jesus says, if you remain with me, you bear fruit, like everything I touched became like it was shifting. Mm-hmm. Come on. And I began to learn going every, like Jesus's words are real. Come you know? on. And a, and a pillar of faith got built in me and there was massive external pressure from staff going, what are you doing with your time? Like, what are you like? You don't need any more books to read. You don't like I felt like and my identity was jacked on that. And so, man, like I'm like I'm in rebellion towards myself and towards the Lord and all these things but what I but everything I was touching was bearing fruit come on oh, man and I was like there's something to this and and in the course of that like 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 I'm reading through the words of Jesus and he, and he tells me this is what he says he says now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do and so I, I'm reading commentary on this and 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 it's in the commentary is like well he sees the cross in front of him and he's finishing the work that he I'm like that's not what this says at all. Like Jesus yeah. says, I am bringing you glory on this earth and I have finished the work you gave me to do. And the only thing he's talking about with his people right now is his disciples. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going, what have I been doing? Mm-hmm. It shifted me going, I have got to figure out how to make disciples. Like this yeah. is how this works. Like Jesus says, I have finished the work you gave me to do. And I had, I had spent 13 years of my life following Christ as best I knew how, but I knew, I knew that there was no one in my life that said they'd been discipled by me, nor had I actually sat down with somebody and said, I'm going to disciple you. And from that point on, I said, if I see Jesus doing it, I'm doing it. And if I do not see Jesus doing it, I'm out. And this starts January of 2013. (laughs) (laughs) That that was 
was like, that was my, that was going to be my first question that I had was like, you know, what shifted to cause you to truly own this biblical mandate to make disciples? And when did that happen? But then, you know, as the spirit leads one vine, like you're, you're flowing through with that, right? Cause that it, like, that is a significant shift in the story, right? Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. Like when you shift and nobody else around you does, it gets really awkward really fast. <laughs> I bet. For sure. I love this. It's like a, it's like a picture of James one twenty two, right? Like be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. I mean, it's like, it, it fits that doer personality, right? There's nothing wrong with doing as long as you're doing the word. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And man, so the, the story's long, but I, but I remember this and I just, I want to encourage people. All right. In this is that if you watch my first year making disciples, like it was a, it was a mess. And, and some of it, I think I'm still kind of trying to clean up at some point, <laughs> but I can remember this one woman named Vicki, just, just learning how to help people hear the voice of the Lord and obey it. Right. And she walks in one day, she said, I, I have an observation. And I said, okay, like I want to hear it. And she said, um, she said, I'm robbing the Lord. Mm. Okay. Now Vicki's probably about a 55 year old female. And I said, okay, so tell me why? Like I'm just simply walking her through the learning circle. And she said, well, um, my son keeps stealing from me. And she said, man, it, like it frustrates me. She goes, but then I was reminded that the Lord's like, well, you're stealing from me too. Oh man. Right. And I'm going, I'm watching this story just play out and, and I'm like, okay, so what is this, what does this led you to do? And she said, I started tithing this oh, week. Come on. Come on. Come on. And so, so after 13 years of leading small groups, right? Like I just really watched someone change their mind and believe the good news and transform right in front of me. And I watched her obedience fall on the rest of the group. And my immediate thought was, what have I been doing the last 13 years of my life? Man. You know? Yeah. And I picked up the phone and I called a friend of mine named John, who was a little ahead of me. And I asked him, I said, I said, man, I, said, I just watched transformation. I said, I said, I think I've wasted the last 13 years of my life. And his response was, he goes, man, everyone walks through that. Yeah. Oh, um, let me remind you that the Lord does not waste anything. Come on. Yep. You know, Word. it was the first really significant moment in disciple making that I go, I see it. Come on. Like I see how this is supposed to work. Hey, really, really fast. Just to kind of backtrack just a second. What, so you use this language learning circle. So what is a learning circle? Like what is this process that you, you said you walked her through a learning circle. So what does that mean? Like, what did you do in that moment? Yeah. So we stole this from Mike Green, you know, from uh, 3DM, but, the, but a learning circle is simply built out of Jesus's words where it says, Hey, the kingdom of God is near and the time has come change your mind and believe the good news. All right. And so it's just a simple um, tool that we use that's built out of the word that um, allows people to hear his voice and then, and then doesn't let them stay there, but lets them press into actually obeying the good news so that they can see his glory. Come on. We use it all the time, every place, everywhere we go. <laughs> you know this to be true. Yes. I didn't yeah. know this. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like you're, you're talking about this lady transforming right in front of you. And I'm, and I'm reminded of this first out of second Corinthians three eighteen. it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Right. Amen. 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 Travis Evans. Like it is the Lord. Like in this process, he says that all the authority has been given to me to go and make disciples, which is a, which that word authority is transferable to his saints. And yeah. you, you find that when walking in the ways of Jesus, like you walk, like the spirit just kind of he blows up because you're simply obeying what Jesus has asked of you. We've been taught in the church world to find out what Jesus is doing and go, go be with him. But the truth of it is, is Jesus has already told us what he's doing and we're supposed to go join him. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, good. Man, it's, it's, it's funny. You just said again, like, again, I think I shared this with you this morning with the Lord was showing me in his word. And so in that word, when Jesus says to Peter, get out of Luke five and it says in verse, verse 10, do not be afraid from now on. You'll be catching men. And that word catching, he's like, man, like in true partnership with, with the Lord, like, 
like we will be in partnership. Like we'll be doing this together. It's like catching men for my kingdom and for my glory. Yeah, exactly you know? right. Exactly True partnership right. with the Lord. Exactly right. So my friend Bruce says, if you want to learn how to make disciples, you just watch the ways of Jesus. You know? It's impossible to preach the gospel and not make disciples. Because it's all you see Jesus doing. And it's why there's a disconnect. There used to be a disconnect for me from the pulpit, from teaching the word to actually like how this is supposed to play out. But the minute I started making disciples, like the authority of the, of the preaching of the word came upon because you actually see it in real time. Yeah. And it just, it makes you more and more powerful in the gospel only because you're walking out obedience of what Jesus says. Like you truly find your life when you lay it down. Mm. Come on. Amen. I agree with that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, when you said like you see Jesus doing it, like you do it, man, in that moment, um, like man, like heaven broke through. I mean, there's some things, man, there's been some things the Lord's been showing me. Come on. And um, in that moment, I'm like, man, like I've been kind of praying like, Lord, what, like, what do you teach me? Like, what are you trying to reveal to me? And so Tuesday, this last Tuesday, you you um encouraged us as staff to go on a prayer walk, right? And so we're, we're really like, the truth is we're all trying to really learn exactly what that means. And so we're just practicing, right? Like, I mean, like what, what's the uh, quote? Like if, if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly, right? And so um, I think that's Stanton Cole's favorite quote. It is. <laughs> Who it quoted is. that? G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. And so, man, like it's a, it's a good one. And so, man, like I, I go out Tuesday morning, like I get, I wake up, I eat the word. I'm sitting in the word and I'm, I'm going back to author's intention over reader's response and getting back to like original Greek translation, you know? And so the Lord begins to kind of speak to me in that. So I go, I go for this walk and I'm walking around, I'm praying for the Lord to bring me people. And so as I'm walking, I come across this, um, I go by my kid's school, man, I decide I'm going to go do this loop. Like the Lord kind of showed me a route to take. And so I'm doing this loop and, and man, as I'm praying for people of peace, I was instantly reminding the scripture when they're fishing and that's why I'm, that's why I ate it. So they're fishing, right? Mm. And so Jesus shows up and man, he's like, man, like you cast your net, like cast your net over there on the right side of the boat. And they do. And so in that moment, like I start, man, I just start preaching to myself. Like when we, when we go fishing without the Lord, right? Like we catch nothing. Right. And man, when we do it with the Lord, like he brings the fish to us. Cause that's what really happened is that moment. Like he just said, pick your net there. They cast her and then it instantly became filled. And that moment, like the Lord brought the fish to them. And like the Lord's like, man, like I, I draw people unto me. I draw people unto you. Like as I, like as you abide in me, I abide in you and I will draw people to you. Right. Yeah. And so man, there's this cool moment. So I'm walking around and all of a sudden in the left side of the ditch, there's this net. And at first I'm like, there's a net over there. And I don't think anything significant about it. And then I realize, and I turn around like, wait a second, there's a net over there. Right. And so that became the significant moment of like, man, like the Lord's like, you hear my voice because I gave you this word. And then I led you to a net. So I grab a piece of it and it turns out it's one of those bath loofies things. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, it was all strung out. Like it looked like an animal had gotten a hold of it, but it was all strung out. But I mean, like I grabbed the piece that looked like the net that stood out to me. And so, man, I was instantly reminded of his word in Luke where the disciples, when he calls his first disciple, when they're feet fishing, it's when Peter's fishing. And so, man, in that moment, like I, I, uh, I decided like, man, I, I remember calling, he was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home because there's some heavy things I need to sit in. And so, because the Lord showed me some more significant things on that walk. I did not meet a person in peace, but like, man, like the Lord was with me the whole time. Yeah. And like, I had a really cool, like um, significant moment with him. So this morning I'm eating this word. I mean, like this is where Kairos kind of broke through. And so, man, like those who are making disciples, like you understand and those who don't, like, man, there's there's times where sometimes you're like, man, like, what am I doing? Like, am I doing it right? Like, what do, what do I do? Like, what do I do in this moment? What do I do with this individual? Yeah. Right? And, and Every time, right? Yeah, every time. Every time. Like, you you get someone and you're like, what is going on right now? Like, what are you saying? Like, and yeah. so, and man, like, and it got to the point where I'm like, Lord, I have no, no idea where to proceed further mm -hmm. with this person, you know? Right. Like, every time I open my mouth, it's like I take them off, you know? And it's almost like there's a battle, you know? The, the good news is, like, man, when the word is, the word is given, like, like it hits, right? Yeah. And so, like, man, like, where Kairos broke through, as you said, like, man, as you see Jesus do it, you do it. And so, in this moment of the story in Luke, like, man, as they're fishing, like it says, they became a 
astonished as they pulled up their nets. And in that moment when Peter became astonished is when Peter fell to his knees and it means to fully repent. And so like he fell before the Lord and he began to repent of all these things, right? Yeah. And that's when the Lord began, like he, he shifts the karma. Like it says like, do not be afraid, which means do not flee from me because it means like you're so afraid you're going to flee. So the Lord's like, hey, don't flee from me, but man, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Like you're going to become in true partnership with me. Hmm. And so that word, um, let me go back to that real quick, catching men. Yeah. And so that word, like the original Greek word, zagiro, it means capture for life. Ah, come on. You know, like capture oh, yeah. for life. Fruit that remains. Right? Yeah, fruit that remains. And that's what he's saying. Like, man, like you're yeah. going to be catching men, like capturing them for life, for the glory of the kingdom, for the glory of the Lord. Like you're bringing men to the kingdom. Yeah. And so, man, like in this, like the Lord, like he began to blow my mind this morning. And so like Jesus said to me in, in this, I wrote myself a Jesus letter. He says, MF, you are a fisher of men for you have fallen to your knees. You have fallen to your knees and surrendered your life to me. For I am your Lord. You are my champ, my companion. I call you friend, not a servant for you know the master's plans. You are a fisher of men, catching them for my kingdom and the glory of God. Continue to release the things of this world and follow me, my disciple. Rejoice in your freedom, your peace and love you, my son, Jesus. Right. And so in that Come moment, on. like, man, as I'm, as I'm wrestling with this, like, what do I do with a certain individual in my group? Right. Then mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, Lord, like, I don't want to, I don't want to break things. Yeah. Man, like, and you simply said, like, we see Jesus do it. You do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kairos just broke through and the Lord's like, man, like, what is like this story that I've had you sitting in? Like what happened? Right. And it says like, when they pulled the net up, they became amazed. Like they were astonished. Like they, and it says like the Hereo, like they saw it, mm -hmm. like something physically that began to spurt, like stir something in them spiritually. Right. 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 And so mm -hmm. then they saw it. So in this moment, like, man, it's observation. Like they made an observation, like the kingdom broke through and you, we see, and like in that moment, like Peter makes an observation, he falls to his knees and he repents and he changes his mind and he believes the good news and he walks away from all his former manners of life and he falls the Lord in this story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so man, like simply like what I'm hearing this and the Lord is like, man, like you do, like you see me do it, you do it. So like, man, like take your men out, yeah. have them make an observation, see what happens. Come so on. it's super, like, it's super cool. Like in this moment of making a podcast, like the voice of the Lord into me is like, Ferris, like you see me do it, you do it. Yeah. Like that, like it's that easy. Come on. I mean, you think, it, you think about from that perspective, right? Like you were beating our heads against the wall sometimes, sometimes not as much, um, you know, but the Lord breaks through. Like imagine Peter and these guys that are professional fishermen, right? Like they're, they do this for a living. And this guy comes out and tells them, you know, throw it on the other side. I mean, do you think that they didn't have a moment of, I've already done it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, what's going to be different this time? You know, Yeah. what's going to be different now? You know, and then, and then like to, to use your word, they were astonished. They were astonished because it was different, you know, Yeah. because they did what he said and it was different. Yeah. yeah. Come on. That's right, man. Uh, it reminds me of on, on Tuesday night, um, like, like it's true. Like it, everything starts with an observation, like with Jesus, when you read how he's discipling his people, it always starts with an observation. And so, um, um, while we were prayer walking, like I, I made an observation um, of my neighbor's yard. He lost his wife to cancer a couple months ago, and his flower bed was overgrown with weeds. And um, like, like the Lord's like, get after this. And so Tuesday night, I took my men there. There's just four of them, five all together. So we just walked up the road with trash bags in our hands, and we spent an hour pulling weeds. And I, I just asked them, I was like, like start making observations of you pulling these weeds, right? And so we bring them back, and we had four trash bags full of weeds with there in the trash, and uh, sat them down in my garage, and I said, give me your observation. And then you know we just pressed into that going tell me tell me why the lord's highlighting that for you and what is jesus and his word trying to say to you and what's nuts is like all four of us are pulling weeds all five of us pulling weeds and yet jesus is cutting through bone and marrow differently on every person through his word and it, it's it's significant how powerful christ is yeah you know? come on <laughs> yeah yeah come on that's good yeah. i love it so so stan part of, was he part of one of your first first groups in kansas city <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah a loaded yeah. question there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
They were trying to skate around this one. Right <laughs> yeah, I think the podcast is over. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll call you back. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so here's my question. So so paint a picture for us of your first discipling group. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's maybe even more easier to paint a picture of my first discipling groups. All right. Yeah. So there remember I told you I had an identity problem. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um man, like I like I know Jesus like Jesus disciple twelve. And um uh, my friends told me they're like, Hey, if Jesus did twelve, you do six. And so I was like, Man, that's awesome. But disciple making, like I've wasted too much time, like I gotta get busy. So I actually tried to do six times three. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let me let me tell you what not to do. <laughs> um you don't want to start you don't want to start walking with disciples on Tuesday morning and then have another crew of them on Tuesday night. <laughs> and another crew of them on Wednesday night um, because there's just not enough of you to be able to disciple them well. And um, like I, I learned a lot in that first year. And so I, I don't know if you want to press me on the things not to do, um, but I got a list of them. <laughs> first would be not to start three discipling groups. Yeah, that's the key one right there. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's right. And so I think Stan, like we, we walked early in the morning, didn't we? And then we had mission in the afternoons. Yeah. Yep, we did. Yeah. And um, man, and so like, like here's, here's what I want to encourage the listeners to is that you just start, you know, you just start and um, like Jesus will meet you. Um, the honest truth is with Stanton, if, if I could, like I would do a 400 million things different. Like I would, like I would do 400 million things different, but yet Jesus in his sovereignty, like here we are eight years later and Stanton is still making disciples. Come on. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yep. one thing that I would have done differently for sure is that because I was still living in a world where, where, um, or, where production mattered more than, than um, transformation um, towards the end of the year, like in Thanksgiving, like we, we took on a bunch of bikes to, we wanted to give 200 bicycles out to um, the kids for Christmas. And so Stan, if I remember correctly, like maybe you and I, we started walking in January, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. January. I'm terrible at remembering timelines, stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that sounds about right. Yeah. So we start walking in January of 2012 and uh, man stumbling through it. Like we're, we're on mission. Like I remember we, we went to help kids read in the afternoons and, mm-hmm. and uh, man, we were, we, we were like, we were bringing, like we were, we were doing some good stuff. Like we were working through some good identity things and. And um, didn't have a clue what we were doing, but here's here's where I failed for sure. And I would probably caution people to change their minds just a bit towards the end of that that process. Like I like I'm not sure that we were we weren't done, but the the weight of Christmas and church and what as we knew it had had piled up. And as we decided to build these bicycles, like somehow that got handed to me. Um, and because my identity was still on 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 producing, uh, man, I just went full bore into that seven nights a week, making sure that you know we had from Thanksgiving to Christmas to fix to actually fix two hundred broken bikes that had come out of the trash, right? Like where I messed up was, is that I, I latched onto the mission more than I latched on how the mission could help me make more disciples. And and instead of and instead of using that mission to make more disciples and to train um, the guys that I was with, man, I just kind of abandoned the process of making disciples. Like I separated the two out and I and I strictly went into making making and fixing bicycles. And I think it, it like the Lord covered us in it, but it, it was a, like it, I don't know, Stan, what was it? <laughs> Tell me what your observation was it from from that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that became. I mean, it, to just kind of echo your point, that became the focus, right? It wasn't about making disciples; it was about who we could help as a result of the work that we were doing, and not, you know, not the transformation in our lives, not bringing people along to like build our, you know, like to give us an example of what it looks like to build, you know, find those relationships with people of peace, and and to for us to do it, it was just, hey, we're gonna go do this mission, and we're gonna help some people, and it's gonna be fun, and people. Will, 
people are going to be happy at, at the end of it, you know, and, and it's, it's, I mean, you lose the transformation in that, right? Like there's, there's no transformation in just going and doing for people. That's exactly you know, it's, right. It's not bad, right? Nobody's saying it's bad, but that's not the point, right? Yeah. The point is like teaching people how to follow Jesus, teaching people how to mature. You got it. Mature Christ followers. You got it. And to make more mature Christ followers. So. Come on, Stan. Yeah. Like on December 23rd, it was a sweet night. You know, the, the papers were there. The principals were there. Like we gave out 200 bicycles. Um, like may the Lord bless and keep us. Um, but the scripture that comes to my mind is like, like Jesus said, Chris, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed yeah. you to bear fruit, fruit that will remain. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm, I'm curious, like when I meet the Lord face to face, like if any of that fruit remained, mm. is it just about cost me my marriage at the same time? Yeah. yeah. Man, that's, that verse has been significant for me recently. And and I think it's, it's so easy to get twisted on this idea that, you know, we choose Jesus, you know, it's like, it's, it's not the way it works. I mean, he tells you right there, like he chose us before the foundations of the earth. Right. I mean, it's like he chose us exactly. in significant little me, you know, that's yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah, that's, that's John 15, 16, right? You guys are, yeah, that's what you're yep. referring to. And it gives us the right to ask him anything, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And even in that, like the Lord, like the Lord taught me something, something significant in that going, man, there is a rhythm of how, of how this works. Like there, like you see Jesus, man, you see him pour his life out and you also see him take them in retreat. And so from, from that point on, like it, it changed. In fact, it's like that, that story is significant to the life of Herod church because yeah. we, we, we have seasons where we pour our lives out and we have seasons where we rest with the Lord and, and we have seasons where we pour our life out and we rest with the Lord. So, so that bicycle story is the story of how, when we showed up here, it was like, like we give it all for four months. We rest for two. We yeah. give it all for four months. We rest for two. And it, like, it's, it's been a significant learning. Like Jesus is still light, even in the dark. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to part one of Chris Moix's story and how Brown to Green got started. I invite you to tune in next time to hear the conclusion. Until then, grace and peace.